another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. I'm your host, Philip, and I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast as we, I mean, we talk about Dark Crystal, of course. So, and, you know, this is a very special episode that we've got Haley Stanford on this episode of the podcast. And Haley is the, um, the president of television for the Jim Henson Company and is one of the executive producers behind the show itself, The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. And Haley has been someone who's been trying to bring Dark Crystal back for many, many years from Power the Dark Crystal with the development of that movie to finally getting it back in a big way with the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. So Haley, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me on the show. It's so exciting. We finally get to connect and have a good chat about the crystal. Yes, of course, about the Dark Crystal. And I mean, first of all, I just want to say, you know, congratulations with the show. I mean, it must have been been pretty credible, like a couple of months for you, you know, for everyone at the Jim Henson Company, but also for yourself, uh, since the show's, you know, been released on August the 30th, just the reactions or responses that you've probably been getting from people like around the world watching um, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. It's been it's been a dream come true. It really has, you know, a dream come true for so many reasons. One, sort of like looking back at the at the little girl in me who like was so influenced by the movie. I, I was obsessed with the movie. I loved it so much. To just being able to like share this project, you know, that we've been working on so long uh, with with the fans and the world. It's just it's just been wonderful. And the the responses and everything we've hoped for. You know, I can't. I can't say enough. It's like it's like I've, I'm dream fasting with uh, with everyone on this one. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's, this has been such an incredible sort of um, journey, you know, because I know this has been such a long time um, in the making um, with the show. I mean, before we get into Age of Resistance, I'd love to know, like, what was sort of your first memory of the Dark Crystal, of the original film? My first memory of the Dark Crystal um, was um, when I saw it. I know that everybody, you know, talks about, you know, not everybody, but a lot, you hear a lot of people talk about how when they were kids and they saw it in the theaters, and I saw it in the, the theater, I am that old, um, that, you know, they say, oh, the Skeksis scarred me. Oh, it was so, you know, it was so traumatized. For me, I thought the Skeksis were hilarious, and they scare me. I was like, yeah, I know those guys. I know those guys. Um, uh, I think for me, what I remember the most about it was Kira and how brave she was and how beautiful she was. And I, you know, at the, when, when I was a little girl, my, my father passed away when I was little. And so, you know, I, I, I really responded as I'm sure this will make sense to fantasy uh, and the escapism of it and sort of the truth within it and sort of confronting the darkness, you know, uh, um, and uh, Dark Crystal, you know, said a lot to a little girl about, you know, being a small, 
person in the world and taking back power and, you know, um, rising up against, you know, sort of your darker fears and darker self. And it just really spoke to me. I loved, I loved the Gelfling. So for me, I had a very different, I, I, I wasn't scarred at all. I was actually quite healed by the dark crystal, to be honest, very healing. Um, so I always think of it with like light and joy and, um, and, and wings and, 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 the world of Thra is so alive. That was very important to me that the world of Thra, since we were going to the prequel, was even more alive. So um, what's my first impression of uh, seeing the Dark Crystal as a child? No, that, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And uh, I mean, even for myself, like growing up with the film, um, like I really connected to to Jen. And I think it was like for me, just because the way that he, you know, he is sort of generally in the film, like, you know, he is he's always by himself. He was always doing things by himself. I think the way that the, the Gelflings were written, you know, with, with Jen in particular, that it was very simple English. And I mean, for myself, like I was growing up, you know, I had all, you know, growing up with autism with, um, but mainly going, you know, with my speech and always going to a speech therapy and all that kind of stuff. And I think because of that, being able to follow the story that I was able to connect to Jen, like through that in, 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 a, in that strange way, um, so I always loved like, you know, with the Gelflings and that's why it's like, yeah, with Age of Resistance, I was, you know, just so excited to see all these different characters. And, and I do feel like even like Rian, I sort of connected him in, in that strange way as well. Yeah. Which has been really cool. I, uh, that is such a beautiful story, by the way. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I, I, I honestly think there is something too about, you know, when you're a young person and, you know, whether it's emotional or, or challenges with your speech, there's something about puppets, isn't there? Been actually being fantastic. Um, like even the past couple of years, I mean, especially for Sesame Street, like, you know, when you bring it, you know, with, with Julia and how you're incorporating, you know, um, a, you know, a puppet character that has autism. And I think that's something that I had, you know, heard about. I think even Cheryl, I think talked about last year that, you know, with, with kids with autism that they somehow, you know, we really connect to the puppet somehow, um, which is yeah, very, very unique in that way. There's a healing, there's a safety, there's a fascination. Um, and it's obviously tactile and with, with the dark crystal puppets in particular, you know, our goal is to make them feel alive and real. Um, and, uh, but there's something, there's something so, so special in what you just shared that it made me think, yeah, wow, maybe it was also at the very heart of it. Cause I always love puppets, but maybe also there's something with the puppets themselves for children, uh, children of dark crystal that also you know, kind of drew us in and, and helped us, um, uh, connect with the with the with the property from the dark crystal and really it was sort of like um you know i know you were tr you were trying to bring dark crystal back in a big way and I i'd love to know sort of how it all started because i know it it started you know with trying to get the, the sequel film power the dark crystal but also you had a lot of other developments including you know this age you know this animated series that sort of eventually became age of resistance and quite a few other sort of developments as well like how long ago was that was that around the early 2000s when it sort of all began trying to bring um dark crystal back in a big way yes i'll i'll tell you exactly how it was yes the dark so the dark crystal movie um was uh the sequel um power of the dark crystal was in development uh with the feature film group um i oversee all of television and, um, and that includes preschool all the way through prime time. And when I um, came back to the company, I've been I've worked for the company for collectively 25 plus years. Um, I leave for a little bit to go off and produce uh, shows for them. 
as well as other companies. And then when the Henson kids bought back the company, um, they asked me to come back and run the television division. Sort of dig deep and start building new franchises, new families, new first friends, and to take a look at legacy properties. Well, now I've told you how special Dark Crystal was to me. So, you know, of course I was like, we've got to develop a Dark Crystal television series. Um, we have to, as I told Lisa, this is our Star Wars. This is our opportunity to build out this world. And I asked her, would it be possible if we could explore a television series that is a prequel to um, the movie, simply because I was much more interested in going to pre-thraw, um, uh, pre, you know, like what was it like before the world was darkened? What was the, what were the, what were the Gelflings like? What was what was um, the whole world like? And um, so, absolutely. And um, at the time, what was so so this was back in probably two thousand and four, two thousand five, um, because I came back to the company in two thousand three. Could it have even it could even have been two thousand three? But I'm just going to say two thousand four to play safe. Um, and um, so at the time, it wasn't even conceivable that anyone would uh, pay for an entire puppet production of a prequel series. So of course we thought of animation. That was the way we felt that it would be realized best. Um, so it did start as an animated series and also as an animated series for older kids. This was sort of at the same time that you know Clone Wars was out and that um, you know, there was definitely um, Avatar. Yeah, exactly. That there was, you know, fantasy and sci-fi being explored in that in that arena. So it seemed natural, you know, natural fit. Um, so that's how it began. Uh, one of the things that I always ask the question, why now? Like, why do we tell the story, the series at this particular point in time? Uh, in the world as well as in the story. When we went out to look for writers for the animated series, this was the question that we'd ask. I felt like I knew the why now in Thra. I definitely wanted to go back to Thra to a more vibrant time. But when we started hearing pitches, we, um, we definitely uh, honed in with uh, a writer named David Slack on the, and David came from my favorite show at the time, which was Teen Titans. And, uh, and we honed in on why now? Well, here's the why. The why is let's go back to the time when it was discovered that the Gelflings were being drained by the Skeksis. And let's make our hero the character who discovers this. And so that's where it started from. And so it's like dug in deep and we developed a, a, a series and artwork. We did set it up initially with the Cartoon Network, very briefly, wrote a script. Uh, scripture two, um, but out of that Bible, it's a wonderful Bible. Out of that Bible, um, the character of Rian was created. The character of Gurjan, um, figuring out Gexies, figuring out sort of the basic framework, castle guards. Um, there's a lot of things in that very first um, development that stayed. Rian, our hero, always stayed. The 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 place always stayed. But it didn't happen at the Cartoon Network. They they ultimately it just didn't it didn't happen. You know they didn't pick it up, and um, they wanted to explore the shorts. And I was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we um you know we put a pause on it, and that that's something that happens in development. You know your 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 dream projects. You sometimes just have to. You always have to believe in them. Sometimes it's 
you need to wait for the right time. And aren't you glad we waited for the right time? Oh, uh, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I, I think especially like we've, I mean, that, that must've been such a shock at the time when, you know, with Netflix, when they, you know, picked it up and I know initially, again, you know, I know this was mentioned in the documentary that, that it was, you know, pitch still pitches sort of an animated show, but they were like, well, why don't you do, you know, all the episodes with puppets? Yeah. Oh, well, it was amazing. I mean, you know, and that was Ted Biaselli uh, in the film. We talked about that. Um, Ted Biaselli. So Ted Biaselli, when he was at the hub, he had remembered that I had gone around and tried to sell the, you know, the, the, the series again after the Cartoon Network. And he said, you know, we want to develop it here at the hub. So again, we, we worked and developed it. And I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second, but you know, jump, jump cut to him being at Netflix. He brought it back over there when he went to Netflix as well. And the animated series was very strong. Um, but, you know, at the time, uh, and they did, Brian Wright and Ted did a huge, you know, they advocated for it. They, they pitched it hard, but at the time they felt, you know, that they had other things in development that they wanted to launch with, one of them being Stranger Things, another being Snicket. And they said, we just want, it's a soft pass, a soft pass, meaning we love it, but we just need to pass for now. And that's when he said to me, but Cindy Holland wants you to think about why, why don't you do this with puppets? And it was, it was literally a mind blowing moment for me. I'll always remember it because all the possibilities just came rushing at me. Um, and, uh, and I thought, wow, this is a moment in time in television when a, when a streamer like Netflix can have the ambition and, and risk and appetite to say, let's do something like make the dark crystal series with puppets. It was incredible. It was so wonderful. I know it, it was just because I still remember when that announcement happened in May, 2017. And I think a lot of us fans, we were definitely shocked about when we heard that Dark Crystal was coming back, it was you know Netflix, it was all puppets. It's it was um it was just such a surreal sort of experience. Like just those pu- couple of months, you know, since it, with the announcement and just like how's it all going to turn out? And it just turned out really wonderfully and and just just beautiful. Just the way everything was was done. So and and I and I guess I like I wanted to go back a bit because I know you had quite a few um quite a few projects you had power of the dark crystal so that was going to you know be sort of the live action sequel and then you also had um power of the dark uh sort of the age resistance sort of the animated series and I, I think i had heard that there was like another animated series that was sort of being developed around that same time um i think it was it through through hub, yeah, through hub. Um, so the hub so the series that i just mentioned with david slack at the cartoon network that is the same animated series right Okay. Yeah. What happened was Ted Biaselli at the Hub. um, He brought us over to the Hub, and um, we started to develop the show again. And we got a beautiful order for scripts and a season, you know, series arc and artwork. And what became apparent when they asked us to, you know, beat out an entire season was you cannot beat out a story season and a fantasy series because both inform the other. You can't, like, in my opinion, as a world builder, and that's my specialty, I don't think you can tack on world details and um, rules of magic and land as an afterthought to the plot. They have to go hand in hand. A strong fantasy series is going to have, you know, action, which is the plot propelling it, an incredible character story, which, you know, that's, that's our spiritual, emotional journey. 
And then there's a bigger messaging that happens, which we can talk about with the dark crystal. Um, and then the world details fill in the blanks of all of those three stories weaving. So one of the wonderful things that we were able to do when it was in development at the hub was to sit and have what we called the great creative conjunction. And I designed this brainstorming session to include, you know, Ted Biaselli from the hub to include our writers, um, David Slack. And we had at that time, David was already on a primetime series um, and could not write the show. He was on board as a consultant. So we brought on board Simon Rapciopa and Richard Elliott. So Simon and Rich came to that meeting. Brian Froud came to that meeting. We invited Uber fans to that. Uh, and then Lisa Henson, of course, was there. Uh, and in that particular meeting, what we did was we, you know, for two solid days, um, brainstormed and worked out details of the world of Thra and this pre world. And we, it wasn't necessarily that we were figuring out plot or figuring out characters. Um, it was just world details. And once those were created, it was so easy for Simon and Rick to suddenly go back in and then start to beat out the plot of the season. So some wonderful things came out of uh, the um, the great creative conjunction. But my favorite thing that came out of it was not only that we established that you know the the clans of the Gelfling, but that we would look back at old artwork and old props, and we were looking at the Wall of Destiny, and we noticed that there's a Gelfling in it who has a crown on her head, and and wings on her back and decide and, and realize, oh my gosh, she's, it's a matriarchy. She's a queen. What if we designed the Gelfling culture to be made a matriarchy? And then we just started digging deep into the session. And that's where the Madras came from and the Almadra and the, and the establishment of the, you know, the Almadra through the Skeksis. And so out of that session, all kinds of juicy, beautiful details um, came. Um, that you can now see really informed later uh, uh, Age of Resistance because the series um, that we developed at the Hub, again, you have Rian, you have Gurdjian, you have basic um, the basic plot of you know telling you know logging the fires of resistance and telling the tale, but um, there's a lot of things that changed and that that information was information that I'm sure a lot of your fans have read about that was up on our site for quite some time. Um, it was the same information used for the author's quest that Joe Lee, uh, used to write his incredible book. Um, and it's the same, the same information that Archaea used to craft their new graphic novel. So even, even though it took some time in between, and, and by the way, as you know, it didn't happen at the hub. Uh, thank goodness. Um, even though we were green, there was a green light. It's just, Okay, yeah, yeah. So it was almost a go-ahead, pretty much. Yeah. Go, except that the hub itself then stopped doing original programming and then ultimately, you know, um, uh, dismantled as a network. But uh, so, but all that great, hard, creative work became this foundation for so much to um, uh, work from for writers uh, uh, in the future. So, Matt smash cut to, to our development, and you've spoken to Jeff and Will and Javier, um, smash cut to um, 
developing the primetime series. Well, there's a lot of world building and work already done that the guys could play in uh, and tease out. But, you know, it's so much fun to think of like everybody along the way from, from Jim Henson and Brian Froud all the way through this series had this like gorgeous creative like um, participation uh, in this experience. I've actually never been a part of a series so deeply um, motivated by um, so many artists, all respecting the same vision, but also contributing to it in such a gorgeous way. It's like there was this legacy, but now we're all the legacy. Does that make sense? Like it's just yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Just things have really passed on, you know, from from Jim and Brian, and then you know, eventually went to yourself and and with David and Simon Richard, and just I mean, especially the great conju- the great conjunction. It was just such a that just seems to be just a, such a big sort of collaboration of really you know figuring out you know or just you know just coming up with the world building like in depth that wasn't that we didn't really get a chance to see um, in the original film. I mean, you know, of course we got the Gelflings and the Skeksis, but I mean, I think there's always a question that, I mean, for yourself, but also, I mean, a lot of fans wanted to know is like, you know, how, like how did the Gelflings get wiped out or how, you know, how, like what the world was like when the Gelflings were, you know, thriving and everything like that. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking like, as you were talking, like even just like how, how it sort of flowed forward and um, you know, like, I remember when we were shooting the hunter and I took a picture and I sent it to Simon and I said, look, you created the hunter. Like, this is your character. You created him here. He is. And like, Simon was like, I'm dead. He was so thrilled. <laughs> but even like Joe Lee taking some of that information and he built, I mean, he truly built out the drenching clan details that he added to the Gelfling are not to be believed. That man is a genius. I mean, that, that was the thing, like when I, um, you know, when I started the podcast, I mean, the big thing was really, I mean, because of darkcrystal.com and, and pretty much when the, the author quest just ended. And I think we started the podcast it was like, well, you know, there was going to be a couple of things to look forward to with the young adult novels yeah. and, you know, even having Joe on the very first episode yeah. of the podcast, uh, was such a thrill. And, um, it's, and since then, you know, I just never imagined, you know, where we are today, you know, being able to talk about you know, a dark crystal show. It's uh, yeah. Like for the podcast, it's been pretty surreal. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it, it wouldn't have existed without probably the books and, and also with, with the website. Well, it's, it's very thrilling and I'm so glad that you're loving it and enjoying it. It brings a big smile to my face. Um, I think some of the other, you know, like just even watching this Halloween and checking out all the families that are dressing up, uh, together. My favorites are the brother sister combo of Deet and Hup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're pretty great, but I think that was our dream to like create this series that like touches people's hearts and they want to keep, you know, being a part of it. They want to keep playing it and, and um, telling the stories themselves. So I'm very excited for everybody to continue to indulge in the graphic novels, in the, um, in the, the YA series and, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully more, um yeah so it's just keeping the story alive i'm so happy that you're 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 loving it it just means so much to all of us yeah absolutely yeah and i mean we've always been talking about the shows i think every like every fortnight we'll talk about each episode of the show and and having interviews and you know in, in between as well so it's been a lot of fun um being a yeah just chatting to you know people who worked on the on the shows you know like yourself and and many others 
um, it's been such an, an like an incredible an incredible time. So I mean, w- you know, with the great conjunction with this huge collaboration, you know, that was you know designed to try and do the world building of Thra, and of course, you know, probably quite a few like years later, um, that's when um, sort of Jeff and Will Addis sort of got involved with the show. Like, I mean, how, how did they get involved with the show? And I guess like what how um was there anything that was like sort of different or you know how what they developed for the show compared to what was done like many years ago at the great conjunction or was it still or was it just like a nice flow that sort of continued on oh well what a good question i mean uh i wish i i wish i had them here with me right now we could all talk about it together uh came to us and i'm sure they already told you this they came to us because they contacted our feature group and it said we have a pitch for a labyrinth movie and Blanca Lisa said, well, um, we, we're, we're not looking for that, but uh, you know what we are looking for? Writers on the Dark Wall. So um, they came in and we met with them. I love Jeff and Will so much. I feel very sisterly towards them. So you know, here, here's what's been done to date. Uh, and we were looking for a primetime pitch. As I mentioned, Netflix said, let's see how you can make this happen as puppets. And once that gauntlet was thrown down, it was clear to me, we had to up our game in terms of sophistication and and you know prime time um, sensibilities, so um, we did go out to new writers. Um, Jeff and Will had had um, they they were new. Uh, they had not produced a television series before, but they are incredible storytellers, and they just took the notion of what a dark crystal series could mean in prime time, and they just their pitch to us blew us out of the water above all you know all others um they're also really i i'm sure you can tell this when you talk to them but they're great actors as well they're very lively pitchers so when they pull you into a story it's like the storyteller from jim henson you're just pulled in so uh not only do they have a good story but they told a good story um and so what they did different i would say they just, I mean, there were elements that were the same, but they created new characters. I mean, Deet and Hup and Brea, and, you know, they took the notion of the Almadra, but then they created this, you know, sister and family dynamic. I mean, Celadon, come on. She's the greatest character of all. Um, oh, but- yeah, yeah. I mean, her arc is really incredible in the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> come on. I mean, unbelievable. So, I mean, they just created so many characters. I mean, there were characters that already existed, like Gurjan and Rian, but they really took that friendship and... Um, you know, pushed it to another level. They also were very respectful, ultimately later in the writing process of Jolie's work with the graphic novels. So there was a lot of, you know, paying close attention to what had been done before. And one of the things that we made sure of that we um, asked Jeff and Will to do was to um, bring on board Jolie and Simon and Rich to the writing room to have, you know, sort of, again, like, you know, you know, uh, um, keep that thread connected almost bringing back back that great conjunction you know with some of the people who worked you know initially you know were part of you know the very early developments to sort of bring them back and and have them involved with with the show which is really cool yeah and by the way the three of them separately wrote incredible episodes i mean unbelievable so you know um simon now is you know you know running you know um shows in primetime, but at the time when he came over, he was definitely, he and Rich had come from, a, you know, from a kids and gaming background and Joe Lee from the book, but still look, they wrote some epic television. So it's really good. It was really great. Um, and so 
Um, then uh, we sold that pitch to Netflix and developed the script along with the sizzle, which you can see in you know making of special. Um, so the way that the power of Dark Crystal, I mean, I wouldn't say that there are any elements from the movie script or sequel that were woven back into Age of Resistance. Um, having said that, the greatest gift of all was Louis Leterrier. I mean, because we've had Dark Crystal went through so many, you know, different directors and, and, and all that. And I think he was sort of like the last, probably the last one at the time, I think in, in 2012 being attached to the power and that sort of transitioned over with him working on age of resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, you know, um, to Lisa Henson's credit, when we, you know, when we, we commit, we had to commit and we had to convince her, like, let's do this. Let's figure out how to make, you know, uh, a drama series, uh, with, with the puppets. Um, uh, she realized that, Louis would be the best person to help us figure out how are we going to make this show? Uh, how are we going to conceive of it? And so, you know, she had to, you know, really talk to him about like putting, putting the feature on hold and taking our hands and kind of jumping into, you know, television. He had never done. And, um, you know, and he was, he was like, he's such a risk taker. He's like, let's do it. And he got very excited about it. And, um, and so, we were able to take all of sort of his kind of artistic work that he had been doing on the movie and sort of how he was visualizing um, the world. And he had done, some, you know, definitely some, some good art studies and come on board the series and help us figure out how this is going to be made. So that is the, you know, the, like the gift that, that, that we got from the power of the dark crystal was Louis Leterrier for sure. I mean, it was such a, it's such interesting because I know eventually it, it came out like as the comics um, through Ikea that got, uh, that came out um, a year or so ago. And um, probably one of the concepts I was really fascinated uh, about was, of course, with the firelings uh, being introduced, you know, the, the, you know, this Gelfling, almost like, uh, not like another clan, but, but sort of, they were sort of in, you know, deep, even beneath, I guess, you know, the caves of Grot, you could say. And um, I mean, it's, like, because I know, I think in the the making of book, I think they said about how Deet was part of the inspiration. Oh, like Deet was sort of inspired by Therma, um, a little bit from you know Power of the Dark Crystal, you know, with Age of Resistance, right? Or not really? Or well, I you know what I I there is so there are so many people like I've mentioned to you that have touched um the the the, the story. So I'm sort of just like tilting my head, like, is that true? Um, did did Will and Jeff know um, the about the firelings ahead of time? They could have. Um, and if they if, if Jeff and Will said that they were inspired by the firelings, and they most certainly were. When we did figure out um, the different clans of Gelfling, we definitely talked about cave dwelling Gelflings uh, because we were talking about just having different sort of earth inspired tribes, desert, um, sea, uh, caves. I, I could see you know, the actual sort of underbelly of Thra, you know, um, the breath of Thra and the, and the caves beneath that connect, um, definitely being inspired by that sort of underground network that, you know, we were establishing uh, early on with firelings. But I don't know, I also want to give it, I want to give it to, to Jeff and Will and Javi, if they- Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Deet, 
she's such a special character and um and so beautiful in and and her people and about their own personal journey of coming out into the light that i just got to give the big shout out to them for that yeah i mean dade's such a beautiful character and just just very innocent and you know i mean the one thing i, I just because re-watching these shows I, I know she tries to make lots of promises and uh, and and tries to you know go through with with them and just um i mean especially for her like during that last episode with um you know with her being uh consumed with the darkening or you know have been transferred the darkening from the sanctuary tree to her um yeah that was pretty devastating and just like you know at the end of that episode we just want to know oh you know you know what she's going to be like you know will she make it out all right or like yeah it's, it's things are just going to keep getting worse for her it's yeah i know there's a lot of people that really love Dayton. yeah just so many of the characters that became you know really fan favorites i mean even the red-haired paladin um oh, I <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> yeah and i i just love that he actually doesn't have a name he's that's just credited as red-haired called. paladin yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's always that's all he's ever been called um that's deep you know, when we create uh stories at henson i would say that they always ha have to have a theme of hope and healing you can see that in the Dark Crystal movie and in Age of Resistance, like the, the journey for them and truly what we're trying to inspire in all of us is a healing of our world, ourselves, uh, our humanity, the connection with one another. So I think you can count on that you'll see a lot of hope and healing uh, always with um, the stories of the Dark Crystal. But, you know, we got a lot of darkness in our world and, you know, people hard journeys um i don't i don't think that we would feel as satisfied in the end of lord of the rings when sam says i'm home if we hadn't seen sam go through all that darkness and experience all kinds of anguish and fear so our heroes that's what fantasy is all about have to go through the hard the hard journeys the hard dark journeys yeah and that's the thing like you said about like you know the show just sort of came out the right time you know where we are in the world right now um, but also I think as well as, um, you know, in the past couple of years, that sort of fantasy has been coming back in a huge way. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, with Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, but also with Game of Thrones, that sort of fantasy has sort of been in the main, uh, you know, the big, big main thing at the moment. So bringing Dark Crystal back, you know, and being able to picture, you know, this is a fantasy series, you know, that's all pretty much on the scope of Game of Thrones in the world building Fantasy can hold up a mirror to our reality and it can make it richer and deeper. And it's the storytelling of soul and heart. And so, you know, it's sort of like we have also as, as a, you know, as, as people of this planet have, have evolved too, even, even a little bit beyond um, Game of Thrones uh, in terms of the messaging that was going on there. So with the Dark Crystal, the messaging um, really does resonate because, you know, we are all in this place where we're feeling like activists and we're feeling like we want to do something and we want to lend our voices to the problem and to solve it together. Um, and, you know, we're trying, many of us are trying to remain very hopeful. So I think that the best fantasy is when it's really reflecting the times that we're in and inspiring us to action. Um, so it just, it all like, like the, like the, like the sun's, they it all aligned. It's all aligned at the perfect time. Our crystal age of resistance. 
what what was it like? I mean, what was sort of your favorite moment from like working on the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance? Do you have sort of a a particular moment, you know, throughout the many years, you know, working on the show? Yes, I have a couple of moments. I'll just talk about Age of Resistance because I have worked on this from the very beginning of the idea of of wanting to happen to even today, continuing to want to keep making this happen. But I'll focus on Age of Resistance. There are a couple of uh, um, couple of things pop in my mind. Um, the first is that I haven't talked about Javier yet. Javier Grimmar Swatch. He is a he's a very dear friend, and he is a true creative inspiration to me in my work. And Javier, I had kind of a, a kismet sort of uh, uh, spiritual moment with Javier on this project. Javi and I, when we first started our careers, we, we met in the very beginning of our careers. I was here at Henson. I was a creative assistant and Javi there was just working on Sequest. I think he had just started. And um, Brian Henson uh, every year would invite the creative team to pitch new ideas in television. And so um, I was like, I'm going to pitch my idea. <laughs> I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to speak up. And so I pitched an idea called the Van Helsing Chronicles. And it was basically, this is before the movie. It was basically following Van Helsing um, uh, and uh, his, uh, his other adventures beyond Dracula. And Brian loved it and, and uh, wanted to develop it. And so they brought on board a young writer to develop it. His name was Javier Griot-Marswatch. So Javier developed my very first dream project. And we ended up, you know, we sold it to NBC. Brian directed a pilot. It didn't ultimately happen, but it was so much fun. And that's when I first met Javi. And so years later, when, you know, we had we had sold The Dark Crystal, we were so excited. And Ted BSLA and ourselves were talking about, okay, who are we going to bring on board to help run the writing room? Ted said to me, um, and I had been thinking about Javier, but we hadn't had the conversation yet. And I'm telling you out of nowhere, Ted said to me, you know what we should call Javier Griot? I was like, what? It was just such a crazy moment. Um, and then uh, Javi does tell the good story about it when he came in and uh, we met with him and he didn't know what he was coming in for. And he did, he did, he did a good man cry when he saw Yep. <laughs> yeah, seeing that seeing that pitch trailer um for the first time, which I mean that that was such um interesting because I mean that was sort of like a test um as well of uh you know the idea of using you know a Skeksis puppet versus a CGI um Galfling was that sort of always the the intent that you were thinking that could have been a direction you might have gone like with the CGI Galflings just because. Um, I guess the you know with Galflings, I mean being able to move a lot more flowingly. Or, I think it was. I think it, was, right. yeah. that's exactly what it was based upon. I think we were thinking, you know what, with the action that we need to achieve, um, you know, perhaps we should explore this. It was more exploratory. It was never set in stone. This was a tool to test the look of the Skeksis and the Gelfling in action. It was all about in action. Um, and so I, I think that we felt that that was, you know, the first way we wanted to test it. The, and we were so fortunate that Netflix allowed us to do that because what we discovered very quickly, as you can, you can see from the test, is that it lacked the texture, intimacy, and um, believability uh, of a puppet. 
And so from that, automatically, we, we, we realized, no, it has to be puppets. And with, with the work of DNAG, we also were able to do within some tests, taking you know um, the old footage here uh, and playing a little bit with it, with um, uh, visual effects, just to show her in full body, show her, you know, her face changing. So we were like, listen, we can do little enhancements, but overall the puppets are going to be much stronger. So we're very lucky to be able to, to play around in that space. Um, but we always intended uh, the creatures of Thra uh, and the Skeksis and Agra to be puppets. Um, the that we, we, needed to, we needed to do that experiment to see if, if that was the right way to go, and it wasn't. Uh, so... That, that's the history of that. But the sizzle itself, yes, it was something that we used to court talent, to court writers, um, production designers, um, everyone uh, to come on board the series. And, and yet the greatest thing of all was that most everybody that came on board the series, they were, they were affected by the Dark Crystal as a child, and it affected the path they took with their career. I was not alone in that. In fact, everybody on it, basically, in, the, in sort of high-level roles, um, had had the same experience on the Dark Crystal. Uh, it was, it, it was, it was so. You you see so much of that love and reverence on on the screen, um, and on the page. And as I guess that's the thing, like the Dark Crystal. It's always been something like even for me, like I always thought, oh, you know, I think for a lot of fans, it's like, oh, you know, this is our own special little thing. And but then it's been so amazing, like with the show that it's been, you know being exposed to so many more people, I mean, especially with age resistance, probably even more so, I guess, than when the original film sort of first came out. And it must have been a surprise just like just how many people want to be involved um, with the show. I mean, especially with the voice cast. Um, I remember when we saw the announcements and just the, the amazing list of the voice of actors and actresses um, that voicing these characters on the show, that must've been like pretty, pretty surreal. Like every day, you know, getting a new name that's gonna, oh, they wanna be in. <laughs> uh, it was, it was amazing. It's also a great tribute to our incredible casting directors, uh, Roger, Lily Edgerton. I mean, like amazing. Um, but yes, of course it was thrilling. And, you know, uh, one of the things, you know, you, you had different people who came forward. You had Taryn Edgerton to come forward because he was such a massive fan. Um, and you know, with his passion of coming aboard as our hero that really inspired, he was like our Rian, right? He inspired others to join, to join the ranks. So we were always grateful for him to, to come on board first, but the other, there was very deliberate, different ideas in casting too, where there were times where we were looking for, you know, that perfect matchup of, um, voice and character. Um, like, you know, listen, Harvey Firestein, perfect, right? But at the same time, um, also looking to bring on board um, um, talent that came from other fandoms. We really did need, we did need to, we still need to expand the, the Dark Crystal fandom. So, you know, we would cast people that were in Harry Potter. We would cast people that were, you know, Star Wars or in, um, in, in Marvel movies. You know, we just, we, we were very Game of Thrones. We were very aware of those Outlander. P.S. The Outlander was mine. Oh my gosh, I love Outlander. Um, love her. So um, we definitely were mindful of wanting to build out that fan base too. And I do believe that the celebrity talent um, helped do that. And they, they've all been so supportive of the series as well. So we're very grateful to that. 
like especially like with sort of the age you know with, with social media as well and how you know they're able to spread word you know about the show you know that that sends out to millions of their followers and stuff that must have been yeah such a big sort of difference you know to really you know bring dark crystal um in that way as well through that yeah it was it was wonderful the last thing i'll just say is the the thing that's been you know I, i mentioned the halloween of it all but the most wonderful thing for us and for me personally because you're asking me what my favorite things are uh is to 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 read the families coming together and watching it together to to know that there's conversations being had about bigger ideas bigger topics like when to speak up when you know that people in charge are doing things that aren't aren't good for us or are planning to just you know sharing in the love uh of hup and Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's the best. <laughs> and building. Uh, I actually judged a uh, costume contest at uh, LA Comic Con, and just there were so many brothers and sisters that came in, or families that came in that had just like made costumes together, and just actually inspiring um, people to create uh, and get creative. It's just been wonderful. So that's it's just been great, and I I just hope everybody keeps spreading the word. Spread the word. Like light the. Yeah. The fires of watching. Um, <laughs> keep it on Netflix. Uh, keep it running. Never let it yep. stop. Keep keep it watching. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean that that was probably one of the things I probably would have asked about. You know, what what does the future hold for the show? And it just seems like, well, at the moment, just we just got to keep watching the show and just sort of wait and see. I guess. <laughs> wait and see. Exactly. And I would say, you know, uh, you're hearing that this is a show made by fans for the fans. And I, you know, we always want to hear back from the fans. So, you know, definitely reach out to me, reach out to everyone that's participating in the project creatively and tell us what you're liking or what you're hoping for, what your hopes and dreams are for the series and for, you know, for the Dark Crystal itself. And I think we just want to keep, you know, having that back and forth dialogue because it has informed everything up until this point and will continue to. Because like I said, it's just going to keep flowing forward, but looking back and flowing forward. So um, please, uh, please, please keep keep in touch and let us know. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, this year has just been an incredible year, like with, with Dark Crystal, the, the comeback in a big way. And just, I'm, I'm just so excited for what the future holds for the franchise. So again, Haley, I mean, on behalf of myself and probably a lot of fans, uh, we just want to say thank you so much. Aww. And um, thank you for everything you've done, you know, I know this has been such a long time in the making and just seeing it come to light. That must've been just such a big thrill just to see the end result and everyone, you know, you all just did just such an incredible job. Oh my God. You just made me tear up. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so, I'm so, we're, we're so grateful. So grateful. I'm so grateful. Anyway, dream come true. Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal Podcast, is a production of Three Point Edit. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, visit our website at www.darkcrystalpodcast.com. Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.